You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, it's Lisa Birnbach. I am taping this today on the first day of the Harvey Weinstein trial that you probably won't hear about very much because it's coinciding with, of course, the impeachment. Nevertheless, for many, many, many people, this is a day that they have been waiting for, and there is the hope that justice in some form can be served now, especially interested in this in this process is my guest today, Lucia Evans. Lucia is a beautiful young woman who fits exactly what my kids say about Middlebury. Oh, mom, I'm not applying. You have to be very beautiful, very smart, and very athletic. Ding, ding, ding. She checks all the boxes. While she was a rising senior at Middlebury, how many years ago? Oh, my gosh. I'm 36 now, so quite a few years ago. Get out. I know. So that many years ago, she met Harvey Weinstein. She was a child, almost. A beautiful, athletic, very smart Middlebury child. And she, too, unfortunately, was harassed to the point of an unbearable experience that she has spent the ensuing years, honestly, trying to put behind her. You have a company that is a brand advisor that does marketing for... So I do marketing, um, marketing consulting for small businesses, for agencies, for personal brands. So say you wanted to be an Instagram influencer. Uh, Yeah, which I do. (laughs) Great. Well, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll give you all the tips. You can be a niche Instagram influencer, you know, really in any type of... It's going to be niche. A whole new line (laughs) of work. Quilting. There are chicken, the chicken influencers that have chickens and they cocktails with the chickens. There's... Oh, so there, so there are many opportunities. You could for start me. a whole new, a whole new life. Okay, that may be, <laughs> that may be. Uh, it's actually appealing. I mean, Doctor Pimple Popper can only go so far. <laughs> anyway, and Lucia was the woman who the Manhattan DA pushed to come out of her silence and to bring your case to criminal court. Lucia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm thrilled to be here. I know that at a certain point, rehashing and rehashing is awful and feels like you're repeating yourself. But your situation is unique amongst the hundred plus, and I'm sure that's not even close to the number, of women who have been allegedly abused by Harvey Weinstein. And... You know, one of the biggest questions is, why was he not brought to justice earlier? So when you were approached, I mean, your story is so dramatic. You were at home with your husband, who I assume is handsome, tall, athletic, and smart. Did he go to Middlebury? He, he did not go to Middlebury. He actually is athletic. I just look athletic. So that's, that's my it's our little secret. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he actually is a fantastic athlete. But yes, he, um, we, yeah, we were home together. This was after I went on record with Ronan for his first New Yorker article right. in October 2017. And I, you know, as you said, after years and years of trying to push it down, trying to put it behind me, 
I did tell, you know, a handful of people over the years, but um, had not told my parents and had not obviously told any reporters, had not gone to the police, never even thought about it, right? I think, you know, you can understand as a woman, it's hard to think you'll ever get justice for anything and you always blame yourself when something happens to you when you're younger. Anyway, so, so yeah, we were... um, The article had just come out and kind of the waves were starting to break around, you know, the Me Too movement was picking up steam again. And the, yeah, I heard it, we heard a knock on our door and it was a few NYPD detectives who came in. Driven through the night? Driven through the night from my parents' house in upstate New York to come and, and tell me that I was the only one who could put him in jail and that I needed to get out of town for my safety. And it, you know, it's, it's really, it, it's so surreal to hear that when you you know when that happens to you. It's you think, wait, this is movie this is talk. Not, this is yes. I decided not to become an actress, so I wouldn't right. have to deal with this type of thing. With this drama, I know, I know. Lucia, they were telling you to get out of town because what? Somebody, some goon that Harvey had hired they would try to hurt they you. They didn't say, and they might have been exaggerating. But since I was the only one at that point who had any valid criminal charges against him. I mean, that was a, I was at risk in their mind. So that's why they told us to leave. And we did. Um, and, you know, we couldn't, I wouldn't talk to them without finding a lawyer, obviously, and you know, ended up finding a fantastic lawyer who I love, um, who I have to this day. But I, you know, I, it was just overwhelming, right? And because I, this is something that I haven't dealt with for so long, and I didn't know if I wanted to keep dealing with it because I told my story. I hoped it would have I hoped it helped people, and I thought I heard a, a lot since then. And at that point, you know, you did a great job. That's you don't have to do anything else, you know, and and you shouldn't have to, right? You shouldn't have to do anything you don't want to do, of course. Look, but you've been you you were the victim of a heinous crime, and you told the truth about it to a vetted, respected reporter, What? why should your life be in danger? In fact, your life should be better. I know. That's- Seriously, you've unburdened yourself. Yes. Finally, even though it probably caused your parents a great deal of pain, at least now it was out in the open and you should be free. Yes, that is. And that's, you're exactly right. And I, I do feel like that is what happens. And it has, ultimately, I feel that way. I do feel like I, after these past two years, I do feel free and I do feel like I've done the right thing. But for, you know, for a long time in there, it was, it I did not feel that way necessarily. It was a lot of ups and downs. And because you're then sometimes forced to make all these decisions you never thought you'd have to make, right? So it's like telling the truth basically opened me up to a whole new kind of web of, you know, drama and intrigue and, you know, and re-traumatizing myself. Of and, and And it was, it was a really tough time. And, and I... Well, I, I imagine that tough time is ongoing for you. Yes. So what happened, and, and this is a very complicated story, and I've read about you to prepare all over the place... The police department, NYPD, heard your story, read your story, believed you. Why did they say it was you? And how did you feel knowing that there were possibly hundreds of other women 
who had been abused by this monster that you had to do it. It was all on you. How could they tell you that? And what did that mean? Yeah, it was such a strange thing to hear because I don't I don't know what effect they wanted that to have. I, I'm sure they wanted it, me to feel empowered and good about that. But that I would mean, have scared I, the pants exactly, off of me. It scared the shit out of me. And it wasn't, I mean, it was, it, you know, did, and I just said, this can, I cannot be the only one. And I didn't know at that point that there would be a hundred plus women who would, you know, also come forward with well, you help them. And thank goodness. And I'm so glad that I could. I'm. That's what I'm most happy about is that I could help other people. And I never even could have conceived that I could do that. And, uh, you know, it's just you think your life is one way and then you end up making an impact on someone. And it is it is just opens you up to a, a feeling that you couldn't have imagined. I mean, that's what life is about. And it's well, that's phenomenal. because you're phenomenal. I mean, a lot of people in your situation would be, I would think, furious, bitter, would be outside the courthouse right now, protesting, screaming. And a lot of women do feel that way. Yes, I and mean, that's you're, great. You should. And I'm angry. I'm angry, too. I just have been I've gone through all of the stages of grief at this point. Right. And you're and a Kubler-Ross uh, scrapbook. I just, yeah, yeah I, I just and sometimes, you know, sometimes you just need to go on with your life. And and I am, you know, I need to work. I need to make a living. I need I and I sometimes I need to shut this out and not look at my email and not respond to the email chain with all of the amazing other silence breakers on it because I just have to focus on the day to day. And that's fine, too. You know, we can't always go back to those places all well, the time. And right? and your, uh, let me call it heroism, is not something you chose. This is not a yeah. circumstance. I'm sure when you were a younger woman, and you still are very young, you thought, oh, I'll be a, an actress, or I'll be mm -hmm. a lawyer, or I'll uh, I'll do human rights, or I'll, uh, I'll translate... German. Yeah. You'll know. You never think that this is what. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll be a victim, and then I'll be a victims' rights activist. I, know. I mean, it's, right? It's really. It's you. You never think that ever. That I mean, I, I can never even conceived of this ever happening in the macro sense with him, given how much power he had back then. But I think you raised a good point about about why people come forward and. And all the people that say, oh, she's in it for X, Y, or Z, there's nothing. There's there, there's no, we have no ulterior motives here. Like, you actually think that we'd want to go through this, you know, as your friend did, right? As right. Eugene Carroll has done. I mean, all of these people, Do you, does anyone actually think that we want to go through this, you know, this blame and this horrible, I mean, all this well, attention I and guess, it's not. Yeah, I guess what people don't understand until they're in the middle of it or close to it is that when you are named and this may only be a function of digital cyber society mm -hmm. you are suddenly a giant punching bag there's a target on you people who don't know you who don't know the story who haven't even met you are calling you horrible names. Oh. They're saying you asked for it. They call you a slut. You know, they they say you're, you only want money. And the last thing yeah. 
the last thing you want is to be associated with this. Of course. This. I mean, it's it's everything you have been trying to avoid the entire time you've been trying. I, I was trying to, you know, just move on with my life and pretend it didn't happen. You right. know, it's everything you don't want to happen. Can you without, I, I feel badly asking, but can you explain to us why you were the, you know, mm-hmm. victim zero and then why you were booted out. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to explain in, in as quick terms as I can. Basically, you know, obviously the MIPD was they were trying to find other people to be involved in the case. And obviously, the more people are involved, the stronger the case and the less likely it is that something could happen like it happened to me and a case gets dropped. And then what do you have? So they were trying to find other people um, before they did or in the meantime, as they were trying to find other people. There was a prosecutor, and there was a prosecutor on the DA side who I really wasn't connecting with. Um, I recently told uh, when I um, spoke to someone else, I I told them the story about about her calling us Harvey's girls, and yes. it was very off putting, and and I I didn't feel like she could you know, resonate with the jury, win the trial. I didn't, and I didn't feel like she could represent me and or other people who would be part of the case too. So I actually got her, my lawyer and I got her removed from the case um, and petitioned Syvans to remove her, which she did, which he did, and then put Joan Aluzzi on the new prosecutor. And in that time, the DA and still the NYPD and the DA do not speak to each other. That They don't, they're not, connecting with each other. They're not communicating. And they could help each other build the case. I mean, you would think they would, yes. But um, so I noticed kind of a lot of discord between the MIPD and the DA. And I was the MIPD's kind of first witness, right? Right. I I wasn't kind of found or cultivated by the DA. I was, I kind of came from the MIPD side. So maybe the DA always thought, oh, she's the MIPD's person or whatever. It didn't matter. I heard over and over that I was the, you know, I had a really strong case. And when others joined me, that I had the strongest case of all of them and that they believed me and it was completely fine. Um, And as I was deciding whether or not to come forward, I actually, I had, like, I was just so stressed out that I ended up having a seizure and breaking my foot. Oh, no. And, and, um, and I went into the DA's office with my huge cast on and my, and it's hard in New York when you're in New York and you have to walk around with, yes, you know. With all the crowds. Now I know, yes, now I know, gosh, I feel so bad for, you know, for people that have to do that. It's, I mean, it is so hard, even the weeks that I had to walk around with that and, and I said, I look at look at what happens to me when I'm part of this. I obviously my brain cannot, I cannot handle the stress of this. But even then, I decided to do it and to be part of the case. And they right. had found other people to be involved with me, and I felt as good as I could feel um, about it. And what ended up happening was the reason on paper why they um, they just they dismissed my charge was um, the detective who I was very close to after, you know, a year of him, you know, having my back and supporting me and, you know, being my advocate. And right. um, he had, um, I had given the DA and the detectives the information of the girl that I was 
with when I met Harvey Weinstein, she was with me, and I went to co- I'd gone to college with her. She wasn't mm-hmm. a close friend, but she was a you know a friend from college, kind of that I then hung out with in the summer in New York, and she had been fact-checked by Ronan. He had, you know, in his team had interviewed her and fact-checked her against, you know, the story right. I told. Um, not, I mean, obviously she's not a witness, wasn't there when the assault occurred, but she was there when I met him. So everything checked out. She had the same exact story as me, but then she changed her story uh-huh. after she talked to Ronan and Ronan's people, and and when when she talked to the NYPD, she changed her story. And the detective said something like, I don't know exactly what he said, but something like, you can't change your story. You should stick with your original story, right. which you cannot say right. to a witness, oh, right. obviously, because right. you have to let them talk, right? right? And and of course, he doesn't want her to change the story, but it's not his It's not it's his not, call. It's not on him, right? right. And, and so it was because of... Because of that, um, because the detective said that she that she shouldn't change her stories because of what he said that my case got dismissed. So it had nothing to do with you. No. And 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 behind closed doors, Cy Vance told a bunch of reporters we we still believe Lucia were fully supportive of her, but they never said that in public. They never have ever come out and said. <sighs> Like we, you know, we believe her and it's and I, I don't need it at this point, but it just I mean, it's just really it's really tough to trust. Oh, my and, God. And, and, and I obviously hope they win. Of course, I hope that they put him in jail. Like, of course I do. But it's really tough to have a lot of faith in the D.A. Right. When they treated me the way they did. Right. It's Did you and your lawyer ever discuss doing a, your own lawsuit? We We can't do anything until. Until this cr- case, yes, until it's it, the criminal case is done. But the, we were always really just focused on the criminal case, and we weren't focused on making on, money yeah, off of this. That, that right. wasn't that wasn't our our focus and mindset. Your so focus was we yeah we wanted to put to, him yes, in jail. We were trying to do that, and it was once I decided to be part of it, we were, and she was right there with me. And I had to go take a walk through his old office oh. where it occurred, which was just so horrible. And obviously, you know, going back to the scene of where that happened. Of course. For any, anyone that's been through this is a nightmare. And, and yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we're kind of, and we're still, you know, we're just focused on what's right in front of us now and seeing how we can help. But I, I'm, I really feel for those women that are part of it because, I mean... The the thing, Lucia, that I have learned from reading the articles, from reading um, Catch and Kill, Ronan's book, is that all the bad guys are interwoven with one another. They really are. You were probably not knowing it because you were up in Vermont studying the mountains and languages and what was what did you major in um literature and theater and french minor you know so oh, yes, yeah exactly if you don't go to middlebury not take a language no, no, i mean come of course on. not of course not because it helps when you're beautiful tall and athletic but but oh i have to tell you i tried to get a teaching position there for the january yeah. term for right now yes i was waitlisted they didn't even reject me. They waitlisted me as if I were another what? Westchester <laughs> high school senior. I don't even. That I, is. Okay. I'm just not that good looking. But anyway. Yes, you look no, amazing. No, but anyway, Lucia, there is this feeling that all the bad guys are working in 
cahoots with one another to shame, humiliate, punish, and basically, in a way, murder the essence of all the victims who were already victimized by having been abused by this horrible person. Yes, I, I it really is a, a, a web of these people. And it's crazy how you see the same names over and over. I know. And, and you see the same, I mean, the same names pop up. I told you before we started taping that, you know, a woman, one of the DAs that was on my case, and a lot of them left right after I left. But one of them, I then saw her, you know, her name next to something that said she had helped, you know, dismiss some charges against Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. And so it's like, but she was the only one I actually trusted. I was wow. like, wow, I shouldn't have, tr-. you know, but all these people. Well, and this not is only, the thing. It's this, I mean, it is really, and Ronan is doing, and other reporters are doing a great job of starting to try to unravel this, right? Because I hope that it's something that, you know, like a oh. bad piece of knitting that you can pull a thread and it will all come falling apart. Well, I'm wouldn't hoping. that be great? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, Lucia, Jeffrey Epstein and his world were this world. Now, we still haven't read about the relationship between Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein, but we will. There's I'm no, sure. there's no sure doubt in my mind that because there were a lot of movie events that Jeffrey Epstein went to through his, yeah. the publicist Peggy Siegel, who was Harvey's publicist. I would be surprised. Rudolph Giuliani... Oh. He was my he was my Middlebury graduation speaker. I fell asleep at the beginning of his speech and I woke up right as it ended. I was like, oh, that's perfect time. Well, so Rudy Giuliani, who was the speaker at your graduation, was hired by the Weinsteins to dig up dirt on the women. It's and and probably Lev Parnas was was hanging out at at Merrimax too. I mean, it's just, it's so interwoven. It's so interwoven. And then we read as we were following the story that David Boys, the lawyer who was representing Harvey, who we all thought was so great because he represented the Democrats in Al Gore versus Bush. He helped argue the the uh, uh, same-sex marriage at the Supreme Court. So we think David Boys is some kind of progressive, yeah. wonderful hero. And he turns out to be hiring the Mossad spies to destroy every person and, and with a complaint. Completely. I mean, I I was not... It could make you hate is, men. That's all oh, I'm no, saying. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have so many amazing men in my life, I would absolutely hate men because... But luckily, I I have some amazing men, and men have been men have been some of my biggest supporters through this, which is interesting. But but it but, is interesting. Is, I mean, is, the yes. idea of trust, right? Yes. How do you even learn to trust people? Oh, after I would. What you've I, been I, I definitely don't trust anybody new. That's for sure. Yeah, There's, yeah. You know, and and but I mean, to your point, these this this web of people that kind of. And I know I see what they've done to these women because I'm now very close to to some of them who are involved and and have seen the way that, you know, not being able to trust even, you know, your own Wi-Fi network, your own like, is my phone secure? Is someone listening? I mean, they don't trust. They are. I mean, these people have messed with them as they should because they really were tracking them. Right. And tapping their phones and reading their emails and pretending to be people they weren't. I mean, it is. How do you. 
I mean, they infiltrated their lives in some cases. And they only didn't do that with me because they, my, my article, my piece of Ronan's article was at, I was, I came on at the very end and they didn't even know I existed. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I'm not an actress, right? So they didn't know A, who I was, but also I was just so late to the game that I kind of managed to avoid some of the horrors that these other women. So if you don't mind, take us back to when you're 22. You're now, you're just waking up from uh, Rudolph Giuliani's uh, graduation speech. You graduate from beautiful Middlebury College. And at this point, you're you're moving on, right? Yes. You know, I... Or were you still... I mean, I don't mean to diminish. No, no. I mean, were you was, able to move on, or was no, it? I, no, I've never. I've. I, I had so many issues in my twenties because of this, and you know, and beyond. Right. I mean, it really eroded my confidence for so long, and I kind of saw everything through a cloud. You know, whether it was depression, and you know, I've definitely have experienced that throughout the years as well. You know, sometimes it was just. You know, it just felt like the world was a little less bright. You know, and and it felt like that really until I talked to Ronan and told my parents, and then this all happened. But well, and also you were your tormentor was somebody famous, so probably you would go about your life. Were you doing branding and stuff at that point? So I I did try to be an actor for I guess about a year or so after college, but I really couldn't. I couldn't do it. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't emote. I couldn't express myself in that way. And as an actor, you really have to be able to be honest with yourself and real and honest with your emotions and go to that place. And I could not go there because when I did, I, I it just all the truth kind of started bubbling up again, you know, and I would tell people throughout the years about this, but I, I tried to act and I, I could not do it. And so then started to do marketing because it fulfilled the same type of desire in me around just getting people to feel something real. And I always loved kind of getting to that kernel of truth. And I could tell stories. And that's what I, you know, as a writer, I do that. And as a branding marketing advisor, I do that as well. But I could tell stories through marketing in a way that I felt like fulfilled that side of me that wanted to act, which was it was lucky for me that I found it. But truly, yes. Yeah. So, so you're going through your life and you meet the man you marry, and and all of that on one side of the ledger is really good. And then you want to go to the movies, and then you see the logo. I couldn't go to the movies, and uh. I couldn't. I I always loved watching the Oscars. I haven't been able to watch them since. Honestly, I truly understand. I, I mean, now I he's not there. Thank goodness at this point. So I can, you know, but it's but all the things I used to love. I a lot of the things I used to love. I, I couldn't do. Yeah. I, and 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 people could see it. I mean, my husband could see that I was that, you know, he saw pictures of me as a kid and he saw videos of me and I was just t a different person. And I was so confident and. And just self-assured. And he said, everything about you is different now. Your voice is different. You act differently. So, like, like, what happened to you that completely just switched you? And, you know, and I couldn't even tell him in, in very detailed terms what had happened because it's tough to tell someone that you're close to, especially when you live a few blocks away from 
the person that did that to you. Right. Right. I used to live in New York. Right. I used to see him all the time. You did. Oh yeah. I mean, even I after the fact. Oh yeah. I mean, I lived in the West Village, and and he lived a few blocks up, and I remember walking my dog down a street and she like, veered down Bank Street and I was like, like not Bank Street that was where he lived and I was like trying to get her to and she decided to poop right across the street from where he was getting in a town car with his wife and kids and I just remember like just like waiting for my dog to finish going to the bathroom I was like this is so fitting but like I'm I just like staring at them get into the town car and I was just like does she even know what this person is I want to say I, I know I knew him uh, did. Yeah, I did. And I have to say that there, while he's hideous to look at, it's not his fault. He mm-hmm. was born that way. His, <clears throat> his personality was uh, aggressive, mean, you know, ADD like crazy, uh, bullying people. You know, you try to understand why somebody's such a piece of shit. Yeah. And you figure, well, maybe he was unpopular. Maybe he's getting back at womankind because nobody took him seriously until he was successful. But you know what? I feel that women who unfortunately had the bad luck of meeting him, if he put all his energy on you for even half an hour and and told you that he could make you a star and told you you would have an audition, and told you that you remind him of Gwyneth Paltrow, or whatever it was he was Mm -hmm. saying, that of course you would believe it. Of course you would. And honestly, I heard him once or twice talk about movies in such a way that he, he was quite charismatic and charming. So for everyone who says, oh, gross, it was your fault, there's a reason why someone's a sociopath. They yeah. are convincing. Yeah. That's, yes. Exactly. I'm not saying he is. I don't know what he is, but but you're right. I mean, and and it's I, I was a smart. I was I was really smart, even though, and I still am. But even though I was I was just so young, right? So yes. Of course, a child. Of course, I'm going to if someone, you know, says, "Oh, come to my office during the day," and I'll t- I'll sh- sh- like I'll. You'll introduce you my casting director, who's a woman, right? And she'll show you some scripts. I was right. like, "That's great!" Like, right. what it's during the day? What's going to happen there? I wasn't not like it's wrong to go to someone's hotel room, but I it wasn't the situation, right? And not not nothing's wrong with that either, because you still doesn't give anyone the right to to do anything exactly. that you wouldn't want to. But I mean, yes, you're right. Of course, it's if it's really really tough, and he always preyed on the certain on that age, right? Where you were very susceptible to, you know, you weren't, you know, as experienced maybe like I was. Right. You know, you weren't as, you just, you know, you trusted and people a little would, bit more. Well, and he used to say things like, I swear on my children's life. So when you, I heard the tape with the oh, actress. I know, who, I know, Ombra. Or oh, the, Ombra. Amazing. And so when someone swears on their kid's life, you sort of think, oh, Okay. 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 Nobody does I mean, that I, I, I casually. Would, I would. I don't even. I don't have kids yet, and I would never do that anyway. Right. I mean, it's, it's like a ridiculous thing to do. It's and a also, ridiculous yes, thing you're right. to say. It's obviously, yeah. you can't trust anyone, and anything people say some of the time. And some people, I just think are like are bad people. And I never used to think that. Really, yeah. I used to yeah. think that some people had some good in them, but I don't. 
know. <laughs> I don't know either. And you know what, Lucia, that that's heartbreaking to me that somebody with your spirit and your kindness could end up feeling quite embittered about the human race, honestly, because yeah. of what happened to I mean, you I, I, and how it was politicized. And I know. The police were, one were side on one side and, and the district attorney's office is on the other and... Who do you trust? And I know. I mean, and it's, you're 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 a thirty some odd year old young woman who has to have a lawyer on retainer. I mean, that's not normal either. It's it's insane what we have to go through to find justice. And I don't blame anyone who doesn't want to go through this because it is. I mean, you saw what happened to me, and it it's so much worse for you know for women of color. I mean, I had it right. I mean, it is so much worse for others. True. Much 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 more. like LGBT community. I mean, the people marginalized communities it is so much harder to find justice. And I just hope that people don't give up hope and don't stop trying because there's no way anything can change unless we keep trying to make a difference, even though the system is incredibly flawed and it's a nightmare to deal with. I just hope people don't stop trying. Uh, What do you make of the fact that these NDAs, you must have thought a lot lot about it. I mean, here, here are some women who seem feisty and strong and and activist, and they got, they accepted a payout. Now, of course, as you said, they're all young. They're all kind of naive. Nobody has any money at that stage. Mm-hmm. The money is too tempting to turn down for poor Ambra. I know. Her, her mother, uh, you know, her parents, yeah. her, her, her family situation was crummy. I totally see why they did. And I totally see why she took the money. But she does not feel good about it now. And you never, I don't think you ever do. I have never gotten any amount of money from anybody, right? I mean, but I but I see why you would do it. And then I see why you, it would make you feel like shit. Well, you want to you wanna make the other person hurt. And maybe if you can't bring them Mm-hmm. to criminal court, you can hurt them financially. It infuriates me that the $25 million mm-hmm. settlement it's didn't even come from his wallet. Why is that okay? It's not okay. I mean, and, and such a big percentage of, of that total amount is going to lawyers' fees. I, I'm not part of that settlement right, right now. But, um, but, but so uh, but for is, people who don't know, I guess... There's a large group of women, because Harvey uh, allegedly abused such a large group mm-hmm. of women, who will be sharing in a payout. I mean, maybe. I don't maybe. know if, that's, you, I mean, if it's even going to happen. One of the women said the funniest thing to me on the phone when we were talking. She's like, well, that might buy me a nice dinner, but it's not going to buy me much else. And I don't even know. I mean, apparently there's a system they... They have to kind of figure out who gets a bigger percentage or a smaller percentage of it. And I don't know like what their what? criteria did is. Did he touch yeah, you I have or no, did you have to watch a masturbate? Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. Right. I have no idea what any of that criteria is. I'm not involved in that right now at all. But but a lot of these women have, have um, cases or crimes or allegations that are outside the criminal or and civil statute of limitations. So this is their only chance to get something mm-hmm. from it. So I totally understand why they would want to be part of it. I totally, even though it is embarrassingly low 
and it's you know it's like it's shocking and horrifying they feel like they have no other choice at this point right so i get that too right and they've also they've also uh, incurred expenses oh, with lawyers oh, and, and, and they've changed their thank lives you, thank and they you had to for move. bringing that up i think yeah. that's something that no one realizes I and mean, every time i mean i wasn't i wasn't part of the group that was at the courthouse the first day but a lot of women um, that I a part that are part of this were, and we talked after, and they said, "Yeah, I mean, every time you're going in front of the press, you're going on camera, you have to get your hair done, you have to get your makeup done, you need a blowout, you maybe want to wear a different outfit than you were last time, and all these things we pay for ourselves. Right, all the travel that I pay for, coming up to New York, going back home, everything right. we're paying for all this out of our own pocket, and." Most of us are, none of us are wealthy, I don't think. I'm certainly not. And many of us aren't working. Act, I mean, I'm not an actress at all, but many of the actresses aren't even working actresses. Right, they've been blackballed. Because put them out of business. Right. So it is so hard for us to constantly pay for all these things. And no one is, and not we're not asking for anything, right? Right. But it's like no one is... Um, you know, it's it's just really it's unfortunate that we you know have to keep on to your point well, incurring all these expenses. Well, have, how about when the cops said you have to go away? Oh, were they oh. going to pay for you to stay in a hotel they in never, another state? Were they going to pay for your security? I were they going they to pay to scrub your 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 internet? Luckily, were they going to change your password? You know, luckily the cops actually did. Whenever I needed to go up for interviews or to you know go on the record or to talk to them. They did pay for my travel, unlike the DA that still owes me a lot of money. And I keep emailing them about it, but they never respond. Apparently, they have other things to worry about right now. But it, it's like, I even, you know, $1,000 is a lot of money to me because I, you know, I'm not wealthy. I'm just trying to make a living, right? And like all of us. And it is, it's just unfortunate that, I mean, it's just so stupid to me that, you know, that this is, this is where we are. This Man. is where we are. It is well. I I guess you have a choice to smile and say this is stupid, or to be undone by it. And I think you're an amazing woman for being. Thank you. Well, I so upbeat. I'm not so always positive. smiling. So well, I'm happy to be here. But it is, you know, it it's an it's always an emotional roller coaster. And of sometimes course. I, you know, and uh, just before we get to your five things, um. Lucia, how does this experience and people now knowing that you are a silence breaker, which is an honorable, honorable um, feather in your cap, if if and that's putting it mildly, how do people feel who are your clients and your potential clients about your role in this big story? It is. I'm so thankful. I, I would never have been able to do this if I hadn't been on my own and left the corporate world because that environment just is not it's not conducive to being open and honest, right? It's not in it's not in corporate HR's best interest to have someone who who, you know, is telling the truth and who you know, who's in the public eyes. Right. And I get that. If I hadn't left I wouldn't have been able to do it. But luckily I had and my clients are I mean they're amazing because they're all so supportive and a lot of them are small businesses and you know either either startups or family run businesses or all my clients are in New York they're all you know local to New York businesses and I just I I just love that they've you know that they've continued to trust me and also and that they see the value that I bring them even when you know one day I might be feeling a little down or one you know they ask me how I'm doing and even just asking me how I'm doing it's like 
It is just so wonderful to have the types of clients I have. That's cool. Shout out to shout yeah. out to um, Frames Bowling Lounge and oh cool Kikalina, um, who was um, they're a startup that make empowering clothes for for young girls and. Those are my two small business clients that I just want to shout out because I just love and value them. That is so cool. That is so cool. Okay. What I love is your list (laughs) of five things. This was so hard to do to start. It's hard to get yourself in a positive frame of mind. Yeah. And I was, but once I started, I couldn't stop and I had to cut it down. So thank you for giving me the chance to think positively. (laughs) And also I was happy that I came up with more than five and I had to cut it down. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great feeling, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Oh, life sucks. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, nobody believes me. I just want to go home. Exactly. And then suddenly there are eight things that you have I to know. figure out. It's yeah. amazing. So let's do number one. Okay, number one. My number one favorite thing is Lacrima del Moro d'Alba wine, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing incorrectly, but it's an Italian wine from a region called Le Marche, and it's all the way on... Um, the east side of Italy. No one really uh, by oh, the coast. Uh-huh. Not many people know about it. It's not very touristy. It's actually a very controversial wine. And if you Google it, it's named. It, there's an article in Wine Spectator or something that says it's someone's least favorite wine they've ever tried. Wow. <laughs> but I, I, I've been to Italy a whole bunch. And my husband and I had this once at a tiny little um, it was like one of those little inns and or agriturismos in Tuscany. Uh-huh. And it tastes like flowers. I oh, can't wow. describe it. It's so delicious. If you can find it, you should definitely try it. It's not. It's not. It's. I haven't been able to Check. find it. But we went back to the. We went back to the vineyard uh-huh. and to this one region specifically on a pilgrimage to find this wine. And you did. And we bought. We bought a whole bunch of it, and we have a few bottles left, and it is fantastic. Is it red or white? It's red. Ah. Okay. Yes. Are you a red drinker? I'm a red drinker. I mean, I, yes. I wish I could say I had a wine cellar full of it like Joel's time, but I don't yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't yet have yeah, that. Joel. Yeah, Joel. Joel, yes. I, I'm jealous of that. Um, but Okay, that's great. One. And that is a note to myself yes. to find it. Find it, yes. Um, number two. So my number two favorite thing are my dogs, Alfred and Georgia who are my children right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're it's just it's just lovely to and I think people have said this on your podcast before, but animals just give you a different perspective and just make you just take you out of your head and make you force you to live in the moment and force you to appreciate the moment. And I have a ten year old dog and a one year old and Oh wow. The ten year old is a very wise, sensitive girl dog, Georgia, and Alfred is a crazy, rambunctious little boy dog. Uh-huh. And it is so sweet to see them, and she's getting to like her little brother, and it is just, I just absolutely love them. And, you know, unlike human children, you don't have to write a letter to get them admitted into some fancy <gasps> nursery school. I so know. there are advantages. And they don't talk back to me. And they, they kind don't of talk do. back. They, I don't just send them to college. College, right. I hear, is very expensive. Very and they I, only get waitlisted at Middlebury. <laughs> Middlebury, so Middlebury many was times. the only college I applied for. And if I my backup was Yale, how would I ever think that I would get well, into Yale if well, I didn't get into Middlebury? Well, because it was different then. It was different. I I would have I would I don't think any of us would have gone anywhere today. No, that's we for sure. Would have needed a special skill or a differentiation or right? be perfect at everything. Everything. Yes. Yeah. No. 
Number three. Number three. Um, my third favorite thing is true crime. So Believe podca- it or not. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Podcast shows and embarrassingly the ID channel, which is for a lot. Of, I think I, I just picture like all of America's housewives watching it and me. <laughs> and that's basically it. Not, not like there's anything wrong with that. But it's no. it, but it's very it's, um, you know, it's a very like female centric. That's channel. the one that has uh, Susan Lucci on it. <laughs> Yes. It's like, you know, evil lives here, homicide hunter. I I mean, there it's it it is for some reason it's it's a big stress reliever for me. And I read articles like, why? Why do I like this so much? Why do you know? Right. But I think what it does is it makes you feel safe. I don't like unsolved mysteries. I cannot deal with that. Right. Like I need to know what happens. And so I feel like I could prevent it if this ever happened to me. Well, look, uh, the the most popular podcasts are crime stories. And I listen to all of them. Do you, do you listen to any of them? I've listened to S-Town and okay. I've listened to the Adnan Saeed yes. one, Serial. Yeah. Serial, yes, that one's amazing. And and uh, Dirty John, did oh, you hear yes. that? Yes, I started listening to that. That was intense. Oh, my, my favorite murder is, you think you would love that one. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> it's very good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, Dr. Death is good. There yeah. are so many good ones. Right. But I know. It's somehow they're comforting. Yeah, yeah, somehow they're comforting. Number <laughs> four. My number four is potato chips from around the world. So I think you talked about potato chips last uh, week. Yes, I love them. I, yes. And whenever I travel, I love to just get the strangest potato chip flavors from around the world. They're the weirdest chip flavors. Weirdest. Okay. So what is the weirdest you've the had? The weirdest I've had, um, like biscuits and gravy, like the roast chicken. Roast chicken I mean, I've so, had. I love that. It's amazing. I d- I've had pickle flavor. Yeah. Oh, pickle's great. They sell them here. Yeah. They sell them here. I was going to try to bring one to you, but I didn't uh, think you'd want to be eating pinched <laughs> in the morning. Well, you, you would be wrong there. Love, what about, uh, I've seen curried. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're curried great. prawn. Yes, phenomenal. Just very strange, but fantastic chip flavors. And I think that my favorite thing to do when I travel is go to grocery stores because you just find, like, this is how people actually shop. And you get, A, the weirdest chip flavors, but also just this sense of, like, the sense of the real people that live there in a way that you don't if you go out to a fancy restaurant. Correct. Which I also like to do. But, I mean, the grocery stores and the potato chip aisles are my favorite. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's great. And number five. Number five. So this one is hard to kind of put into words, but it's actually a feeling. So, and I think you probably as a writer understand this feeling too, but it's that feeling of trusting the process and knowing that everything is going to work out as you are going through some type of creative problem solving. Uh Um, So it's like, you know, when you're writing something and you don't know how it's going to end, and but you just know that you're going to find a way to make it great, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be exactly what it needs to be. And it's it's just this feeling I've always had, and I've had it in, in my with my clients, too, and people are f- freaking out around me, and just stay calm, and everything's going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. We're just going to solve it, and you just know ahead of time that it's going to work out. Yeah, that is a good feeling. It's a great feeling. It's I not re- that common, but it is when it happens, it's lovely. When I was at the end of any school term, I think I'm not going to make it. How I'm not going to be able to study for this test. I'm not going to be able to write the three papers. I'm not going to yep. be. And you think your head is going to explode. And then next thing you know, you've done it. Yeah. Next thing you know, feeling. you've done it. It's a great feeling. Yeah. 
Lucia Evans, it's a great experience to meet you. I salute you for your courage. I salute you for your positivity. And uh, I'm very grateful that you came in today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Five Things That Make Life Better with me, Lisa Birnbach. My guest this week has been Lucia Evans, marketing and branding advisor and a Me Too silence breaker, one of the original women to accuse Harvey Weinstein of sexual misconduct that ignited the Me Too movement in 2017. You can follow Lucia on Instagram at Lucia I.O. Evans or at her website at LuciaIOEvans.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and iHeartRadio, or wherever else you get your podcasts. My blog is at lisabernbach.com, where you'll find links and photos to what we discussed today, and my five things will be on the blog. This podcast is produced in New York City by TheFieldTV.com. My engineer is Jimmy Regan. My team is Espresso Rucci, Michael Port, Boat Go Haft, and Sam Haft. Until next week, stay warm. Act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers.